This podcast is brought to you by jewishpodcasts.org. Start your very own podcast today at jewishpodcasts.org. Perik Dalid, guys, Pasuk Base, Parshat Vayikra, 5781. So Perik Dalid, Pasuk Base. Here's what we're going to say. Dabro B'nei Yisrael Lemor. Kodesh Baruch Hu told Moshe Rabbeinu to speak to B'nei Yisrael, saying the following, Nefesh Kisechata Bishkaga. When a soul sins bishogeg, a soul sins accidentally, we'll call it accidental, we're just going to say it even though I know a shogeg is not really an accident, but we'll call it an accident. Mikol from all the mitzvahs of the Kaddish Baruch Hu that should not be done, the asa me'achas mehena, And he does one of these things. Now I will just tell you, I could spend an entire shir, probably two shirim, on the last three words here. Those who know the Gemara and Shabbos, what exactly connotes a malacha, what makes something into a malacha, me'achas mehena, but that's not for right now. It's shame me shimon, if anybody remembers, noach me nachor, etc. The Tosefes Bracha, now is nine letoris, say this Pasuk is a bit of an introduction for all of Parshas Chatos. See, <laughs> I, I don't know why the Christians did this, but when they made the chapters and the verses, right, and the numbers all come from them, uh, we didn't put in a paragalaf, paragbez, paragimel. But what they did was they, they, did each korban, each korban in Parsh Vayikra gets its own parak. So the Ola has parak Aleph, the Mincha has parak Beis, Shlamim is parak Gimel, Chatos is parak Dalid, and Asham is parak He. And it works out really well that way. You can put everything in its own little parak, and it's like that. So the Tosefis Baruch of the Zayim Torah says, this is parak Dalid, Pasuk Beis. It's sort of an introduction to anything that happens as a korban Chatos. If someone does an Avera, then what he brings is dependent on who he is. Is he a Kohen Gadol? Is he a, a, a Nasi, a person who's in charge of Klai, so like a Melech? Is he an individual? Is it a Tzibor? Is it Sanhedrin? Whatever it is, we're going to mention something entirely about this guy. And this is a general statement that applies to everybody. And the Ramban says that these Psukim are talking about someone who didn't have a Bishogig. And again, Bishogig is, we're going to translate it, is accidental. But really it means he forgot about something. He forgot it was Shabbos. Or he forgot that this specific thing was us around Shabbos. Meaning he knows what he's doing. It's not just he's leaving a room and he turns off a light. That's Miss Asik. That's not a Shogig. If you know, the guy knows it's Shabbos, knows it's Usser, and yet turns it off because he's so used to turning something off on Shabbos, that's a misasik, that's not a shogig. This is a guy who made a mistake and thought something was mutter. This could be done by anyone, as we said before. Such a sin, says the Ramban, is in machshava. It's in your thought process. And therefore, the word nefesh is used here. That's why it's the soul. Because we're referring to the, fa- the faulty thought process of a person, which the nefesh, the soul, is connected to. But he adds a bit more. The reason for a korban be- being given by anybody who sins, if you sin, you're going to bring a korban. The reason why that's so is because any all sins affect the nefesh. It affects your soul. It po- causes a pegam in the person's soul. It's sort of like scratching your skin and causing that little, that line, that white line to be there. It's there, and it causes that pagam, and it's very hard to take that pagam off the soul completely. That's the idea behind it. The only way to greet the Creator after death is when He's completely tahor. So the korban is there to sort of purify that soul, to take away that sin from the soul, take away whatever it is that the soul has that needs something out there. That's how the Ramban puts it, and that's why it says, nefesh ki the korban is the purity of the soul. Even though we don't understand that, we don't see how a korban could have anything to do with the soul, that's the point behind it. The shach says, when a person sins, 
It's not the ruach within the person that sins. There's a nefesh, there's a ruach, and there's an neshama. It's not the ruach which sins. That's purely ruchni, the ruach. It has no gra- doesn't grab onto the body. It has nothing to do with the body. The neshama is even higher. The neshama has no shaykhis to the body. It simply shines down upon the body below. It gives a little bit of influence to the body below. Similar to magnets, how magnetism works, the way that the shach explains it. But it has no real shaykhis to the body itself. Only the nefesh, which is the most physical of the spiritual components of the soul, only the nefesh, which allowed him to sin, caused him to lose out on what he could have had. And that's why the word nefesh is not only used here, it's also used by kares. The reason why is because kares doesn't necessarily apply to an ishama, which is beyond the person, or even the ruach of the person. It applies to the nefesh. Nefesh achotas. The nefesh that sins, he samus, it is going to die because, says the shach, that's not applicable to the ruach or the neshama, it's only the nefesh. Even so, it's quite shocking that the nefesh could sin, and that's why the word ki is used over here. It's almost like we're asking, how can it be that the soul sinned? The nefesh? The nefesh is going to sin? How could that be? Before the soul comes to the world itself, HaKadosh Baruch Hu passes through a thousand eighty worlds of pleasure and takes the soul through it, the nefesh through it, to show it what its reward is going to be if it does something better. It lets it spend 30 days basking in the glory of the Shekhinah and Gan Eden to see the reward of the Tzidikim. Only after that it comes down to the world. How can it be that it's possibly sinning? How could the nefesh have any shaykhs to sin? That's why it mentions the nefesh. So that's the idea behind the shach, the concept of somehow that soul being affected. The Shariaran says the Ramban and the shach seem to be saying the same thing, the same basic idea that it's the nefesh that has the problem here. Not necessarily the goof and not necessarily the neshama or the ruach. The Rashmi Bells brings a strange medrash on this passage. This, but this medrash is also brought down by the Rugas of Bosem. He says, Hashem spoke to the nefesh and said, I told you to stay away from blood, which is the nefesh of a person, and yet you ate it and you sinned. But what in the world does the nefesh, on this pasuk, what does is, what is the blood have anything to do with this? Where do we get that from? So he explains, drinking blood is something disgusting that a person normally would stay away from. You would never drink blood. Who in the world would do it? Why does the Pusik use the word rak chazak adam? Be strong, don't drink blood. Why, why would he think you'd need that? It teaches us that you have to keep careful, stay careful and stay away from even the mitzvahs, los ase, kalos, even the easiest of los ases. Stay away from eating the things that you never would eat anyway. And if you stay away from that, then it'll be better for you when it comes to bigger averos. If you keep doing the small little ones, then eventually you're going to try out a big one. You're going to try to do something else a little bit better. Why? Because the Yitzhara gets stronger and stronger every single time you sin. How could he have not realized this? How could he have not been careful about this and not think that a serious sin might happen from there? And Avera done Bishogig only happens when you're not careful. And therefore, in this Pasuk, when we're talking about that introduction to what it means to sin Bishogig, we're saying you've got to be, start being careful now. Do things now, because if you don't, you know what the next step is. It's sort of like how they say it's the gateway drug because you do one and then eventually it leads to the other. It doesn't necessarily have to lead to the other. But once a person does something and his Yetzirah gets, gets a little bit more used to it, then you eventually go on to the next level. That's the concept behind it. You start not seeing anything wrong with what you're doing. So even dam, even eating dam, still can lead to something else, which is a chi of curries. Even that can refer to. Okay. And the Dasakin and the Moshe's again, both Balitosos, living in the 1300s, they both say that the word nefesh is used here 
because the ikr hate is dependent on the nefesh of a person. He says, he gives a marshal. Two people sin against the king. Two people sin against the king. One is a servant who serves in the palace itself, sees the king, knows how the king works, knows how everything works inside the palace. And another guy who has no shaykhs to the palace, he's just some guy out there. They both come to court, they both did the exact same thing. And the king potters, he exempts the guy who's from the middle of nowhere. And he says to the guy who was in the palace, the servant in the palace, he says, you, you're going to get punished to the fullest extent of the law. Throws him in jail, gives him malchus, does everything to him. So the servant, the other people that were there in the kingdom, this is their friend, the guy that used to work with them. They said like, wait, your majesty, why is that any different? They both did the exact same thing. If you're going to exempt one, exempt the other. If you're going to say one is chayv, say the other one's chayv. What's the difference between the two? The king looks and he says, this guy knew what I'm like. He knows what it's like to be in the palace. He understands what the king is supposed to do. This guy had no idea. So that guy will send him out. We don't care about him. He, doesn't, he never saw this before. But this guy, he knew, he knew, and yet he still sinned. Therefore, he deserves to be punished. The body is not privy to the way that Akadosh Baruch Hu works in this world. Everything that Akadosh Baruch Hu does, the body doesn't get it. But the soul knows, the nefesh knows, the nefesh, how could the nefesh allow this guy to sin? If so, if it does sin, then it deserves a severity, a different type of punishment that the other one doesn't get. So by a shogig, we only punish the soul, not the body. Since it's not done on purpose, it's the soul that allowed it to happen. As we said again, a nefesh hachotas. That's the concept of why the soul is being punished in nefesh ki sechata. We're specifically referring to the nefesh over everything else. However, by a sin done b'mezid, then both deserve to be punished. Everybody's heard the mushal that's brought by the Gemara itself of the blind man and the lame person. Does everybody remember that mushal? The blind man and the lame person. Both of them were put in charge of a certain orchard. So the blind man said, I want to eat from the fruits, but I can't find them. The lame man said, I want to eat from the fruits, but I can't walk to them. So the blind man said, I have an idea. You ride on my shoulders, takes the lame man, puts him on his shoulders, tell me where to go. If you tell me where to go, I can take you wherever you need to go. And the lame man pointed out all the good fruits. The blind man, the lame man ate to their fill. They came out and they, they were fine. When the owner of the orchard comes by, he turns to both of them and he says, what happened to all my best fruits? All my best fruits are completely gone. Says the blind man, how could I find them? I'm blind. Said the lame man, how could I go there? I'm lame. How could I get there? So what did he do? He took the lame man, put it on the blind man, and judged them both together. Says the Kaddish Baruch Hu, to the soul after death, how in the world could you have sinned? Said the soul, I couldn't walk. What do you want me to do? I'm lame. I know ability to walk. He goes to the body. He says, how could you have sinned? Says the body, I can't think. I can't think on my own. I need a soul. I can't do it on my own. So Kaddish Baruch Hu takes the soul and the body together and judges them together. For a mazid, that's when a Kaddish Baruch Hu judges them both together. A shogeg, Hashem blames the nefesh. For a mazid, HaKadosh Baruch Hu blames both. And that's the way that mashal works. And it's a pretty obvious mashal and a pretty obvious thing that goes together. The Rabbeinu Bechayah says the word nefesh refers to both the body and soul together. That really it's not just the nefesh that's sinning. It's the nefesh and the body. As does the word Adam. And the Pusik says back in Bereshit, Vayiyah Adam the nefesh chayah. The Adam became a nefesh chayah, meaning the soul and the body once it started working together, then it went together. They were responsible for anything the person does. That's why sometimes you see the word nefesh referring to someone who sinned. I'm sorry, 
How does a nefesh eat dam? It's not. The nefesh doesn't. Must be it's referring to the body as well as the soul. He says that's the idea. But there are times when the word nefesh refers to the body alone, not the soul. As it says, Thomas nafshi maves yisharim. The Bilam said, I want my soul to die in Mavis Yisharim. But he doesn't mean his soul. He means his body. It could be the nefesh. means what I said to Rabbeinu Bechaya. So the word nefesh for sure means the soul. But it also means the body alone. And it refers to the combination of both. Depending on the context, that's how you figure it out. That's the Rabbeinu Bechaya. Tosefis Bracha also says the same thing. He says the fact that it starts Belashun Nekeva, Secheta, that it's written in that way and then switches over to Belashun Zohar, Ve'asa, as Kolchat says, it does something in masculine. It goes from feminine to masculine, shows it's referring to the goof, which is masculine, and then a shama, which is feminine. It's the combination of them both, and that's that. So why call it nefesh? Why not call it adam? Those nine, the Torah says, it's because a goof cannot tell us that he meant to do what the Mazer of a Shogig. If it's a nefesh, then we know we're talking about the person himself. That's the concept behind it. It's true more. Tormor says the sin is that the nefesh allowed the body to be misgaber over it. The nefesh has to be stronger than that. It would be like expecting. You're sitting there and you're just like, okay, guys, we can't afford to go to a restaurant tonight. And your kids are just like, no, daddy, we really want a restaurant. You're like, okay, let's do it anyway. At some point, you got to say no. At some point, you got to say, no, 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 we're not doing that. We can't go any further than that. And if you allow yourself to be taken advantage of for somebody to grab you and to take you in a different direction, you have to say no. The nefesh is therefore blamed because, of course, the body wants to sin. The body wants to do something wrong. But the nefesh is allowing it to. How could the nefesh do it? That's the concept behind it. Okay. Let's go to a different idea. That all had to do with whether it's the body or the soul that's sinning in some way, shape, or form. That's one idea. The Orachim HaKadosh says that the hint here is that the, in the word nefesh, we know a Russia is called a mace in his lifetime. A Russia is called dead even when he's alive because his sins cause his soul, his nefesh, to be diminished. The diminishing of a nefesh happens not only when you do a chait b'mezid, but even when you do a b'shogi. Guys, we know the, like a shogi... What's wrong? What did I do wrong? I forgot it was Shabbos. If you would have told me it was Shabbos, I would have said, for Korah, I'm never going to do this. But I forgot it was Shabbos. What's the big deal? The Orachayim HaKadosh is saying, such a thing, getting involved in such a thing where you caused a Shogig to happen, that's missing something. You have to get closer to your source. You have to always be thinking. How could you not be thinking at all times? How could you not have forgotten Shabbos? Listen, when you're a kid, it happens. A kid goes downstairs, and he realizes that the cartoons on TV are not like they are during the rest of the week, that happens. That happens. Kids do that. They forget that it's Shabbos. But you as an adult, how can you forget that it's Shabbos? How can you forget? You mean to tell me your alarm went off at 4 in the morning? You completely forgotten while you're still half asleep, you put your arm in. Okay, I hear that. I hear that. That can happen. But can't you control yourself, make sure it's not going to happen, and say that if such a thing would happen before, and I'm not going to let that happen. That's how the Orachim Kodesh says, you're missing something, something's wrong here, you've got to fix it. The Mincha Blula says there are two reasons why someone bemazed, somebody does something on purpose, does not bring a korban. One, we don't want the public to think that a sin that severe can be forgiven simply by bringing a korban. We don't want people to know that, because that would be crazy. People will just be like, oh, really? Then I'll just do whatever I want, and I'll just bring a korban. That's number one. But listen to number two. The second reason is because when a human soul sins that badly, meaning b'mezid, he does it on purpose, he knows that Hashem is watching, and he says, no, I'm doing it anyway. It cannot be forgiven 
through an animal brought in its place. An animal is just not good enough. It's you yourself that has to be taken. You do something terrible, bemazed, up in God's face, your animal is just not good enough. The human soul has to be brought as a korban by fasting and crying and tshuva and davening and tzedakah. That's the only way for it to happen. Listen to that mincha blula. It's brilliant. You do a sin bemazed, what else are you going to do? A shogig, that's another story. That a korban is good enough. But a mazed, how dare you bring a korban in its place? Some say that's the reason why Yeshaya was yelling at the people during the first base of Mikdash. He said, you think I want your korbanos? You're not doing things bishogig. You're pretending that you don't know what you're doing. But you're doing it bemazed, and then you're bringing a korban, an animal. The animal is, is, is not even desired in the base mikdash. It's bringing chulin ba'azara. I'm not going to forgive you for something you've done so badly by bringing an animal. That's not what I'm about. That's the concept, he says, the arizal. Speaks about that second reason as well. And he asks why it seems it would be better to sin b'mezid than b'shogig. B'shogig, you've got to bring a korban. B'mezid, you don't bring anything at all. And he says, of course, because b'mezid, you don't deserve to bring anything at all. B'shogig, you could bring something to forgive you. But b'mezid, you can't get anything. There's no way you could be forgiven for such a thing. And for that reason, you're not given the opportunity. For example, you kill b'shogig, what do you do? If you kill someone b'shogig, what happens? Derech Yerida. You go to the Eremiklot, you run to the Eremiklot. If you kill someone, b'mezid, what happens to you? No Adem. No Eremiklot. You can run there if you want, but there's no Eremiklot. You're not chayiv to go to the Eremiklot. In theory, you have the Gol Adam. Right. Technically, have that by the Shogi Gosso. So the guy will end up running to the Eremiklot, but the Eremiklot isn't a kapara for you. Why? Because an Eremiklot isn't good enough. You can't exile yourself and expect that to forgive your sin that you just did by killing a guy by Mazid. The shogig maybe that works, but not that. And that's the concept. The concept is a korban is good enough for this, but no way is it good enough for a Mazid. Yeah. No. Um, So if you do, if on Shabbos you're, you do Beshogig, you're Chayv Achatos. Bemazid without Adim, you're Chayv Kares. With Adim, you're Chayv Skila. That's a little bit different because you still have a Chayv Kares on you, some Malchus Kapati or whatever it is. We're talking about other sins where it's just Bemazid X, Beshogig Y, and if you don't have Adim, there's nothing to do. There's absolutely nothing to do. The Alshech says you would think a person would never be punished for doing something Beshogig. Because again, after all, what did he do wrong? He didn't know. He didn't know. You got, he goes up to him afterward. A guy goes up to him and says, wait, it's Shabbos. He's like, oh, hey, I totally forgot. I completely forgot. What's wrong? What does he do? But he says the following, and it's brilliant. You notice we said the word nefesh, nefesh kisechata. You know why you sinned bishogeg? Because before this, you did a sin b'mezid. You must have done something horrible before. And that sin, we know this from Pirkei Avera Goreres Avera. One Avera leads to the other. And what a Kaddish Baruch Hu does is he's mazmin you. He, he appoints you. He puts you in a position to sin again, Bishogeg. Once you've sinned once, you're going to sin again. It's a sign that you're not Tahor. It's a sign that you did something wrong if you do an Avera Bishogeg. Everybody knows the concept of Shechacha, right? Leket, Shechacha, and Peya. So like it, we know that if you drop gleamings on the ground, if you drop two, you can pick it up. If you drop three, you got to leave it for the poor. 
Peah is a corner of the field. You've got to leave a corner for the, for the poor. That's what you're supposed to do. What's shechacha? What's the concept of shechacha? Shechacha is you forget a stalk. You forget. You're on your way and you're reaping and you forget one. You can't do shechacha on purpose. You can't have shechacha on purpose. You either do it and it happens or you don't get it. It's a schus to have shechacha. It means you did a mitzvah beforehand. And it led you to having this mitzvah bishogeg. The exact same concept by this avera bishogeg. If you did an avera bishogeg, do a chesh anafesh. If you woke up in the morning and turned on a light thinking it was Sunday, and then over, I, I don't, again, I'm not saying you walked in and you just went like that. That also is something. But if you went on thinking it's Sunday, turning it on, and only later on realized that it's Shabbos, that's because you did something on Shabbos beforehand to deserve to do an avera bishogeg. That's the scary part. The scary part is you might not even realize what you're doing wrong. Otherwise, it will never happen. Ragle Hasidov Yishmor. The feet of the Hasidim, God watches. He makes sure that if you're accosted in something, you will never do anything wrong. Even the Behemton Shel Tzadikim HaKadosh Baruch who's not maybe Takala Behem. The animals of Tzadikim, like Rapinchas Benyayar's donkey, wouldn't eat Tevel, food that was untied. There's no way that a Kodesh Baruch would allow a tzaddik to do something that's wrong. That's what this Pasuk is saying. You know why you sin Bishogig? And this is how you got to read it. It says, If you sin from all the mitzvahs Hashem, It's because you didn't do something correct beforehand. And this is the result. The Panem Yafos says an amazing idea. He explains the Hafla, the Rebbe of the Chassam Sofer. He says, this is the thought process. His Nishama El leaves him for a little bit. When a person sins bemazed, if you did a sin on purpose, you missed a Marv, you didn't wake up for chakras, you did something on purpose, you just forgot about it completely, then your Nishama El the top part of your Nishama, leaves a little bit. And that leaves you open to terrible things happening. The Yed Sahara can come in and get you in something that you never would have had otherwise. Once that Shmira is gone of the Neshama Yonah, that's when a Shogi can happen. Chava was pushed into the tree, the Eitz Hadas, pushed into it. And once the Nachash was able to get her to sin by touching it, when she was told by Adam not to touch it, then it all of a sudden opened the floodgates. That's when a person loses everything. He's no longer in control of himself. That's what this is over there. That's the concept of a Pasuk in Hosea. Hosea was speaking to Bnei Yisrael at a time, the same time as Yeshaya. He was the, Hosea was the greatest of the Nevi'im of his time, the first of the Nevi'im, Hosea. Hosea was speaking to the people who weren't paying attention, and he's told them, Ki You tripped up in your avonos. Guys, now wait. An avon is sinning on purpose. Kashal, to trip, is a shogig. How do you trip up on an avon? You can't. That's what you should say. And this is it. The pshat is, is because kashalta, if you were kashalta, if you tripped up, it's because of your avon that you already did. Similarly, Rabbeinu Yosef Nechamia, this is the grandson, the great uh, grandson, great grandson, I think, of the Chsam Sofer. He says, he brings the Gemara, Makos Yudamabes, you all know this Gemara, two people killed someone. One person killed Bemezid, one person killed Beshogig. Right? Neither one of them had ate him. So the guy Beshogig doesn't go to Gaos, the guy Bemezid doesn't get killed. 
What does HaKadosh Baruch Hu do? He's Mazmin Osam Lepundak Echod. He brings them to an inn. He has the guy who killed Bishogi climbing down a ladder. He has the guy who killed Bemezid sitting under the ladder. The guy who's climbing down trips. HaKadosh Baruch Hu makes him trip. He falls down the ladder, falls on the guy, kills him. Bishogig. The guy who killed Bemezid is dead. The guy who killed Bishogig is now Chayiv and Golos because Adam watched him kill somebody Bishogig. That's what a Kaddish Baruch Hu does. It's almost like a Kaddish Baruch Hu is involving himself to make sure that if you do something, there is going to be a result of the action, of your action to make something happen. Ayala Sashaka, Rabbi Aaron Leib Steinman, brings the story of Rabbi Yishmol ben Elisha, the great sage when the Gemara Shabbos Yud Gimel and Aleph was reading by the light of one of those oil lamps. You know what they are, like from Aladdin, the lamps that like have that little hole on top and they go like with a little thing, and it's got a little thing right there, and you hold it. So back then, you had the wick that went through that thing right there, and that's where the light came from, and the oil was poured in that little hole on top, right, and you put it in. Sometimes when the light would be very, you know, would be flickering, you had to turn the oil a little bit to be closer to the wick. And if you did that, then the light would shine a little brighter. The wick would be able to draw a little bit more oil. So what you normally did is, that's why they have that little ring on the side, you pull it up a little bit, Right? And then the oil would go down and would light the candle a little bit better, light the wick a little bit better. So the Chazal made a gzera. You're not allowed to read by the light of a lamp on Shabbos. They made that gzera. Baruch Hashem, we have electricity. We don't have this issue. But they weren't allowed to read by the light of a lamp. Why not? Because if you read by the light of the lamp, lamp says Chazal, you're going to shemahita. You might come to turn it. You might come to lift up the, the lamp a little bit to see a little bit better. Rabbi Shmuel ben said, Ani Akra, I'm going to read below Atah, and I won't turn the lamp. And the Gemara says, there's a Machlokas, one opinion of the Gemara is, he was reading, and he wanted to see better, so he turned it on Shabbos. Turned it on Shabbos, said Rav Steinman. Of course this great sage was unbelievably careful about absolutely everything he did. But because he sinned by saying, Ani Akra below Atah, he argued on Chazal. He argued, Rabbi Shmuel ben was Chazal. But he argued on his contemporary sages, the rabbis of his time, who claimed that you shouldn't do it because you'll sin. Therefore, HaKadosh Baruch Hu made sure that he'd sin. Crazy. Unbelievable. We should never have such a thing. That was the sin that allowed him to do a sin b'shogeg, to do a sin b'shogeg. And he had to, he wrote down in a pinkus, in a notebook, that he owes a chatas shmena, a fat chatas when the base of Mitzvah gets rebuilt, which unfortunately did not happen in his time. Pardes Yosef adds on, this is only true if it's not an ones mamish. Meaning, well, we're saying that a shogig is because of a maze that you previously did. That is not true if it's an ones mamish. For example, if a person is thinking and learning when he goes to the bathroom, which Matthew happens to us all the time, right? I mean, how do, we, how do we stop ourselves, right? We just hold our breath. There were great sages who would come out of the washroom with their faces bright red. And no, it wasn't because they had an issue going to the bathroom. It's because they were holding their breath as far as hard as they could so they wouldn't be thinking and learning in the bathroom. Unbelievable. Svasemis was once looking at a safer and he turned to a certain page and he just, oh, he went like that. He's like, oh. And he said to the author, he said, you thought of this Torah thought when you were in the bathroom. Only the Svazam. It's unbelievable. Absolutely unbelievable. Then he says, you don't need a kapara at all. An ones mamish, an ones mamish, there's nothing you can do in that situation. You find yourself in a hospital with a contagious disease. And if they, everything that you bring with you, they're going to, they're going to burn. Do you bring tefillin? 
Do you wear tefillin? It's machlokas. Because if you bring tefillin, they're going to burn it afterward. They're going to burn it. But if you don't bring tefillin, you're not going to wear tefillin for however long. It's a machlokas. It's a machlokas. Somebody showed him say, yeah, you should bring it. The Radbaz is a famous chuva about this. Others say, do not bring it. They're going to burn the tefillin. Don't get yourself involved whatsoever. But that's something which we'd call unavoidable. Now, I realize there's a little bit of an inconsistency here. You could say, well, the sin was only what some sin that you did caused you to be sick, and that caused you to be sick, so you had to do something with the tefillin. It's only if it's once removed. Does everybody get what I'm saying by that? Meaning, you sinned, and therefore you did bishogeg. It's not twice removed. You sinned, so you got sick, so therefore there's another issue where you're missing tefillin. That's twice removed. That's how the party Yosef explains it. That's going to be a little bit different. He does bring like the famous story. Now, I always heard this from the Chassam Sofer. I don't know if anybody heard this from anywhere else, but he quotes it from Rabbi Yonis and Eibshitz. That I, I heard that the Chassam Sofer could not stop himself from thinking and learning in the bathroom. So he would purposely read newspapers in the bathroom to get his mind off of learning, right? They say famously the Gra would, you know, did math books, whatever it is. I don't know if that's true. I have absolutely no idea. Kramer's Law is not after Revelio Kramer. That I can tell you, that, that for sure. But regardless, Rabbi Yonis and Ajitz or the Chassam Sofer had this problem. So one time he was reading a newspaper and he saw that they came up with a new formula to help plants grow a little bit quicker. And it came from Buster Vichalov, like a basic idea of a mil- you know, milk together with some sort of like meat thing. And that was like a formula that made plants grow quicker. And he said, that's shot in the Pusik. Rashis bikuriad muscha tavi You have to bring your bikurim to the base of Mikdash. You can't cook a mother a goat in its mother's milk. Basrakolov is there to tell you, even though bikurim, right, will grow quicker if you do Basrakolov, you still can't do it. He said that's shot, and he realizes in the bathroom. That's an ones mamish. That we'd call an ones mamish, and that's not their fault whatsoever. He stopped, by the way. So this is an interesting little point. I don't know what the difference really here is, but the parties Yosef quotes Rabbi Yonis and Ayipshitz and says that he fasted 40 days, right, afterward because he felt so bad about it. When I read this story about the Chassam Sofer, it said that from then on he wouldn't read newspapers in the bathroom. It didn't say that he fasted for 40 days. I don't know what the difference would be and why one was more extreme than the other. I have absolutely no idea. But that's the idea behind it, everyone. And I think this is pretty obvious. Tom Bedas, where Sturmbach says, to finish this idea off, that's why the word nefesh is used more than any other word. It, it's not his mysim that require a kapara. It's not what he did that requires a kapara. He was bishogi. What do you want him to do? It's his nefesh that did something originally that caused him to be in a position now to be punished for, as we said, avera goreres avera. And that's why this is not shayach to a goy. A non-Jew is never chayiv for a chatos. He's never chayiv b'shogeg. You can't blame him for a shogeg. A shogeg is a chiddish that you're chayiv for. And it's because of Avera Goreras Avera. They don't have the concept of Avera Goreras Avera. Therefore, they don't have the concept of a chatas. They don't have the concept of a shogig. If they do a sin on purpose, they're chayiv. They do a sin by accident. Who says? Now, there is another way of looking at it, by the way, that if a non-Jew does a sin b'shogig, it's like a mazid, and therefore it's equal, and they would get killed for it as if it was a mazid. That's another concept for another time. Regardless, that's the concept behind it. Kedusha Zalevi says there's another way to read this Pasuk. If a person does any of the mitzvos, asher lo seyaseno, says like this, he says he did the mitzvos in a way 
that does not allow it to be considered a real mitzvah because he didn't do it with the proper kavanos, the proper yira necessary to do that mitzvah, but also, and he does it anyway, then in and of itself, that's a chet, and it requires tshuva. I, I don't mean to say it this way, guys, but it, this is my problem just as much as anybody else's. Do I really have any thoughts when I'm putting on my tefillin in the morning? Yeah, there are times where I sit there and I'm like, what is this? <laughs> like, I have to think to myself, I am putting on tefillin because this is awesome, and I'm wrapping shefa around myself, and I'm taking down the shefa from above and getting it around my whole body, and putting on my weaker arm, I'm a lefty, and putting on my weaker arm to get my weaker arm filled because my other hand does mitzvahs, etc. I get that, yes. But do I really think that way when I put on tefillin in the morning? Do I really think that I'm enwrapping myself in a cloak of ore, in a cloak of light, when I have that talus on top of my head and I cover myself completely? Am I really thinking that way? The answer is, of course not. Not all the time. I'd like to think that I should do it more often than I actually do, but I don't. I, I don't. Who does? Who does such a thing? The Kedushas Levi says, that's the hate. That's the show gig. How could you allow yourself to do a mitzvah and not think about what you're doing, especially something that we're doing every day? That's the idea behind it. It's scary, but that's what he tries to say over here. Mayana Shultura says there are some sins that not only do people think they're mutter, right, but they may even be considered them a mitzvah. They chase after people to tell Lashon Hara about a certain person, making fun of them for something that they did. These are types of mitzvahs that the Yetzirah tries to destroy you with. That's the nefesh kisechet abishkaga. You think it's me, kol mitzvos Hashem. You're doing something positive, right? Even that is considered a sin. You've got to bring a korban for doing so. Now, whether you'd actually have to bring a korban, that's not something your chayv kari's for. But regardless, that's the concept of what you would do right over here. Now, I will tell you, this is interesting. The word nefesh includes gerim and avadim mishuchrorim. That they would also bring a korban for doing a chatos bishogeg, of doing a shogeg. Why would you think they're excluded? Why would you think that a Garrett and Evid Meshukur wouldn't be kind? Now, we already said that a non-Jew would be different. Non-Jew doesn't have that concept of a shogig. But why would you think that a Ger and an Evid Meshukur would be there, would be different? Isn't it strange? Wouldn't that be weird? Also, the Gemara seems to say that the word Adam includes women, while a Nefesh doesn't necessarily include women, although women obviously have Nefeshos. What in the world would be the difference? Why in the world would there be a difference between them? There's strange things from that Taurus Quantum, from what the Taurus Quantum says over here. And the truth is, the Malbim explains it extremely well, but the Malbim is extremely hard to do in Sefer Vayikra. Anybody who's seen the Malbim of Vayikra will know it's pages and pages and pages of unbelievable things, but it's very difficult to find a whole Mahalach in there. It takes a lot of time and a lot of effort to be able to go through. The Orachim Kadosh in Taurus Kohanim also says, a non-Jew never brings that korban, and maybe this will help us a little bit, even if they were over on the Sheva Mitzvah B'nai Noach, he wonders what the Havamita would have been over there. He says, why would they be high to bring a korban for anything they do wrong when we only see non-Jews able to bring the Dharam and the Davos? They can donate things, they don't have anything else. He suggests it's from the word Nefesh and tries to understand how that works throughout the, the system over here. It's hard. And it's a very, very difficult thing to understand. But Rev. Victor Miller shines a little bit of light on it. We say a line, guys, in our Haluka, Magid Dvar Vliakov, Chukov Mishpatov Li Yisrael. Kedosh tells them over to Yisrael, Loa Sachin Lechol Goy, not to any other nation. 
Avigdor Miller says, the word of Daber al Bnei Yisrael Emor. What would you have thought? Who else do you think this would apply to? Daber al Bnei Yisrael? He says, even in the New Testament, there is no claim that God spoke to their leader. Now, as a timeout, I don't know if that's true. I'm quoting Rav Avigdor Miller. That even in the New Testament, there is no claim that God spoke directly to their leader. When HaKadosh Baruch Hu spoke to Bilam, it was for the sake of Klal Yisrael. When Yonah was told to go to Ninveh, it was to have an impression for Klal Yisrael. These mitzvahs and commands are for ours and for us alone. And the Medrash is trying to point it out again and again and again. A non-Jew doesn't get this. They're not allowed to be involved with this. They're not us. A Ger and an Eben Mishrochor have joined us, so they get it. But it's not the same. It's absolutely not the same. Now, there is a kliyakr here, which is pretty amazing. It's a pretty awesome kliyakr. The word ki, the word im, and the word asher, in which one everybody works. But I'm going to end with this tamvadas, with this line from Rosh Sternbach. He wonders why a person who sins b'shogeg can bring a small lamb and be forgiven. Just a small lamb. Guys, how much is a small lamb? I can tell you. It's 60 bucks. You can buy a small lamb for 60 bucks, right? And that's it. That's all you need to do. You're fine. Maybe if you're going to really a place where you won't find 100 bucks, 120 bucks, and you're fine. Can you imagine? You did something that, that bad, and nonetheless, it's just a small thing. But do you know if you did a sin besuffic, you don't know if you did it or not. Anybody know what kind of korban you have to bring then? Do a sin besuffic. An asham? Asham taloi. An asham taloi has to bring a ram that's worth two slime at least. That's expensive. We're talking a six to seven hundred dollar lamb. How is this possible? I know I sinned Bishogeg. I know I sinned Bishogeg. I can bring a sixty dollar lamb. But I don't know if I sinned at all. So I got to bring a six hundred dollar ram? Does that make any sense? What in the world? So it has a lot to do with what we said before. It's got to be that this person who sinned Bivadai. He knows he sinned, was pogim his neshama. He caused it to become dirty. And therefore his real punishment is really in the next world. His soul is pagamed. If he doesn't do anything in this world, he's in trouble. That soul has something wrong with him. And therefore he has to do something. The real punishment is in the next world, not here. In order to protect him from other punishments, we give him something now so that he'll go better, he'll do better, and he won't have something else happen. Therefore, he's given a little lamb to sort of like pacify his Yetzirah, to get rid of it, so to speak, so that he's ready for the next opportunity to do the right thing, so he's not sullied any further. On the other hand, when you sin besuffic, your korban is taking place with your only punishment. You're not punished in the next world if it's besuffic. You're punished only in this world. It's only here. And therefore, the korban has to be larger. It has to cost more. And once he brings it, he's fully forgiven. There's nothing going on in the next world afterward. There's a lesson to learn from this. And this is an unbelievable lesson. When someone sins b'shogeg, although he brings a korban, he has to add to his kapara by learning Torah and doing mitzvot to save his soul. As we said before, you sin b'shogeg versus sinning b'mezid. B'mezid, there's nothing you can do. You can't bring a korban. So what do you do? You got to sit and learn. You got to do tshuva. You got to cry over what you just did. B'shogig, you also have to do that for what's going to be in Olam Haba. 
The korban he brings is not enough. It's not the end all. That's not what happens. The more you learn, the more you dive, and the more you get involved in other things, the soul becomes purified. And that saves you from the next world. The korban is just a small, literal offering that we're giving to our Kaddish Baruch to save me in a little, tiny way. The real kapara is in the next world. The real kapara is there. And that's why the Asham Taloi ends up being more expensive than the Chathos. To be zilk, everyone, that we should do this this year. We should have a korban chatas this year. Halavai, we shouldn't sin, so we shouldn't have to do it. We should be zilk to see such things in our world. Shkayach, everybody. Have a good Shabbos.